Um, over the last couple of weeks, um, if you've been uh, with us, James has been sharing um, about the prophetic. And what I would like to do, his, he's sort of halfway through, so there's a bit more to come. Um, but what I'd like to do is pull a few of the strands together. If you remember, um, he talked about, in a sense, three kingdoms. He talked about uh, God's realm, if you like, then the spirit realm, and then the earthly realm, and how they kind of interplay in the prophetic ministry. Um, I want to sort of go a bit more kind of earth, um, earthy with it today and, and more practical. So um, just a couple of things to recap and then we'll get into what I would like to talk about. I will warn you, there's a lot of content. I'm dropping a kind of bomb of ideas this morning. Um, so some of them might fire off for, for you and some of them might not. Um, and that's quite okay. So um, take what you want, uh, spit out the bones if you find any. And um, uh, one other thing I was going to say before we get into it, but it must be a bone because I can't remember it. Uh, do you know what? Let's just leave it. Um, so... Um, the first thing is, what, can you remember, so I think this was really from week one, but James reminded us last week, um, what the key thing was about delivering the prophetic from uh, Paul's teaching, or we, what we might call the New Testament approach to delivering prophecy. Okay, love, absolutely, so everything's rooted in love, so what does it look like? What does Paul explain that it should look like. What is it for, the prophetic ministry? Thank you. Yeah, I heard Will there saying encouragement. So in our passage today, we, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3 and 4 says, But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Um, and then he said, uh, anyone that speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. So prophesying is speaking to bring um, encouragement, to bring strengthening, and to bring comfort. And if it doesn't do that, we're missing something. Now, a lot of, um, I, you know, some of the prophetic movements that are out there um, I think operate from a very much an Old Testament approach uh, to uh, prophecy, which is different because Jesus has come and he's changed the dynamic through which the prophetic ministry is delivered. And so now it's for strengthening, encouraging, um, and comforting or building up um, might be a, a, a stronger word that uh, Paul uses there. Um, and so that should be the purpose of any prophetic word we have. And if we have a prophetic insight uh, about somebody, and we think in its delivery it's not going to strengthen them or encourage them or build them up, then we need to think very carefully about how we might deliver that word. Um, because usually if the prophetic word is a corrective and I would exercise caution if it is a corrective. But if it is, the way that we deliver it is really important. Because if we get it wrong, it's not going to strengthen that person into a, a better place where they might need to move to. So we have to be really careful um, on that stuff. So in simple terms, prophecy is hearing from God and speaking what you hear in order to build comfort um, and encourage somebody. Uh, to prophesy is to hear from God and to speak to people. Okay? Now, can we have the first slide? I've got slides today. I don't normally do this, but um, it's because there's so much stuff it might help. Prophecy is essentially four things. Uh, sorry, two things I've got there. There's, there's another bit which is four things. Prophecy is two things. The first one uh, foretelling, which is what most people think of as prophecy. So, um, in, um, uh, in Acts 11, 
verse 28, um, Agabus uh, says this. He stood up and through the spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. So he is speaking about something that's about to happen. And mostly when we, you know, the world talks about prophecy, it's about the future, what's going to happen. So that is one aspect um, of prophecy, one main aspect. The other is foretelling. Now we see this in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. What does God say? When he first says something. Let there be light. Was there light before he said it? Well, we, we don't know, do we? But in, in reality, we would anticipate there probably wasn't, because he hadn't brought it into being. So he brought into being by speaking light. And he spoke light. In fact, he didn't say, let there be light. He said, light. So if you, if you, unbreak, the, if you break down the Hebrew, what it, the actual thing he said is simply light. And as he spoke it, it came into being. That's foretelling. Sometimes God releases something to us in our spirit, uh, and we know we need to either speak it out or do something to bring it about. We know it hasn't happened. It's not a prediction of the future, but it is God speaking into something he wants to do, probably connected to the future, but the speaking of it will bring it about. That's foretelling. And so those are the kind of two um, ways that prophecy happens. The next, can we have the next slide? There are um, four levels of prophetic ministry. The first level is the level that probably most of us will be familiar with. Now when you uh, receive the Spirit of God and you become a Christian, from that moment... Your spirit is woken up because Jesus comes to live within you. His spirit comes to live within you. You're woken up. And from that moment, you uh, have this interaction with God via the Holy Spirit. He speaks and you can hear his voice. My sheep listen and hear my voice, Jesus says uh, in John 10. Okay, we hear his voice. And... Um, we get to just release that as well if it's appropriate. Sometimes, of course, he speaks just to us for us. And then sometimes it's for others. Um, occasional inspirational prophecy, the first level of the prophetic ministry, is just when, you know, in a time of prayer, or we might be caught off guard, and we just know something to be true. Now, I'll talk about the ways prophecy comes in a minute. But it could be any number of ways he speaks. But somehow, we know something to be true. It might be about the future, or it might be something we need to speak to release uh, an act of God, or to release something that he wants to do. Um, so that's the first level. It's occasional. Once in a while, we get a prophetic insight. The second level is consistent prophetic gifting. And as you kind of grow in the occasional, and you sort of do more and more of it, you might find that the, the gift seems to get stronger. And if you're eagerly desiring it, as in 1 Corinthians 14, we had read out to us, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. If you eagerly desire it, it's likely that you might find yourself moving into level two here. Um, and we don't want to be really breaking these down into specific levels and try and work out which level you're on. It's a journey, um, and you know we might sort of flow between these. Um, but if the Lord is going to release a significant prophetic ministry through you, you probably will go through these stages. Um, and so consistently, you're hearing stuff from God. Um, and in order to know whether you're kind of moving through the levels, that's got to be tested. And so the prophetic stuff you're hearing... Um, if you keep on hearing stuff and it's wrong, uh, it doesn't come to pass or it doesn't land with the people you're releasing it to, you probably need to go back to the drawing board and just see if there's something getting in the way. Um, or maybe often when prophetic ministry is wrong, it's because we've got out of kilter with receiving the Father's love and releasing his love. 
Love has to be the dominant thing, um, as you said earlier, underneath all this. Because if it's not, then the prophetic words are about us and my ability to hear God's voice. And as soon as we move into that, our prophetic words become wrong and corrupted. Because, in a sense, our operating system has got a virus. Because we're not operating from love. And therefore, things get, you know, we get those computer error things. Um, and it's the same, really, in our spirit. So it must come from love, which is why, um, you know, Paul follows this passage on the spiritual gifts with this extraordinary exposition of love in 1 Corinthians 13. And then builds into prophecy on the back of it. So that's the second level. Level three is what we call proven prophetic ministry. So this is um, somebody who's released prophetic ministry um, in a public atmosphere and it's been proven to be consistent and accurate. And we, we have various people in our church that we know of who, are, who are, we would say that have a proven prophetic ministry. Uh, they're often hearing things, they're accurate in their, what they're hearing. Either it's about the future and that part comes to pass or it's, you know, foretelling and there's a lot of um, stuff that are being foretold that, you know, is beginning to change in the community or that kind of thing. Um, and so there's a sort of proven prophetic ministry. Um, but you can't have that with it just being you that thinks you've got a proven prophetic ministry. If you have a proven prophetic ministry, you will be part of a... Uh, church family and you will submit your prophetic words into that environment and allow them to be tested and if you're not going to do that you will never have a proven prophetic ministry uh, prophetic ministry can only be proven by a body of Christ the, the believers the people of God and so um, you know prophets often people with significant prophetic gifting can often end up ostracized in the church. Some of you might have that experience because churches don't really know what to do with prophetic people. Um, it, it is a, it's difficult. Um, and it's not that we should run away from that. We should embrace it and understand how to um, both pastor and encourage and build up those who are moving in a, you know, towards a proven prophetic ministry. We've really got to get that piece right. There are a lot of damaged prophets. Um, and then if that happens, they can start to, you know, almost sideline themselves from the, their church family. And then they start to go off piste. I had some people in a church in London who um, came to me once and said, we believe the Lord is calling us out for a, a period of time of the church. And, um, and I, said, I said to them, can you show me that in scripture? Um, and, of course, they couldn't, because Scripture just doesn't go there. And there's a good reason for it. Scripture, in fact, does the very opposite. We need the people of God, and we are family. Um, people might have a calling into a significant ministry of prayer, such as, you know, becoming a monk or something, but it's done in community. And actually, that's really important with um, the prophetic. And I just said to these guys, hey, I'm really worried about you if you follow this through. Um, and these were guys that I would say were, um, uh, in a sense, what I might call super spiritual. That the spirit was almost more important than the people. Um, at their equal and, um, and I just said to them, guys, listen, if you decide to do that, I'm no longer going to allow you any form of prophetic ministry in our church family. Um, and you should not be doing that anywhere else. Because there is nobody who will call you to account. Until you decide to go back into a church family, you need to lay down that prophetic ministry in terms of public ministry. Um, now, I don't know if they followed that through or not. They now are part of a church and they're, you know, going great and that's really cool. But 
if they had chosen to stay separate from the church, they would have gone dulali. And their prophetic words would have gone all over the place and they'd have become, they'd have sort of moving into false prophecy. So I'm, I don't want to spend too much time on that, but the prophetic ministry, what's it for? Yeah, of who? The church. Okay, so the prophetic ministry is for the church and it must be operated within that uh, environment. Great. The final one, uh, sorry, I went off piece there, didn't I? The final one is the office of prophet. And I think James has touched on this, but just quickly. The office of prophet is someone who's got a proven prophetic ministry and then with that, starts to train and encourage and build up the church family into greater ability and gifting of the prophetic ministry. So it's not just about having a high-level prophetic anointing to release the prophetic words that the Lord is releasing. It's about equipping the people of God in that gift. And so that would be where the office of prophet is different from a proven prophetic ministry. Um, and, you know, there are people that you'll know of, I'm sure, who, who operate in this ministry. Uh, somebody like Rick Joyner, James Gould, Chris Vallotton. There's all sorts of people who have uh, that kind of ministry. So, um, those are the four levels. Okay, let's break down a prophetic word. There are three parts. So have the next slide. Thanks, Mark. The first part, very obviously, is Revelation. So what has God said? That's as simple as that. Okay, that's the first part um, of a prophecy is the revelation. Now, I would encourage that most of the time that's the only bit we give. What did God say? And leave it with them. It's very difficult um, because so many of us love to understand and to bring understanding. But very often when we do that, we can actually confuse what God has spoken. So we must be careful. Um, if you sense the second aspect, which is interpretation, the second part of prophecy, um, if you have a really strong sense from the spirit that you have that, ask permission to give it to whoever the prophetic word is for. Um, if it's to a church environment, ask the service leader. Do you mind if I interpret this? Um, but don't try and interpret it unless you have a burning inside that I know what the interpretation is. Okay? And then the final part, uh, uh, let me just flesh that out. There's a story, um, somebody told me this story and I've forgotten who it was. Um, but there's a, it, I think it might have been Chris Vallotton. Um, there's a story about a, a lady who woke up in the morning, her son had, I think it was autism. And she was wearing a yellow T-shirt. And the Lord, um, she said to the Lord in the morning, if you're going to heal my son, tell someone um, to release a prophetic word about someone with a yellow T-shirt. Okay? Anyway, she goes to church that morning, and someone has a prophetic word. And they say, I have a prophetic word um, uh, about you. And the person points up, because you're wearing a yellow T-shirt, the Lord is draw me to your yellow t-shirt. And she went, yes, God's going to heal my son. Uh, which following happened, okay. But the prophetic word, and this guy that gave the prophetic word started to try and interpret it. And he started talking about the sun is yellow and started talking about all this stuff that was completely irrelevant. And he didn't know it was irrelevant. He was trying to get the interpretation about why the Lord had pointed to this lady who was wearing a yellow t-shirt. But she knew exactly what this was about. And no interpretation was needed. So um, that's why one of the reasons we might need to be careful. The final part is application. And again, that's down to the individual to uh, work out with God how to bring the application. If they ask, how do you think I should apply this? By all means, share what you're sensing. But don't force it upon somebody. Um, because, again, that's not going to probably build them up. It's going to do the opposite. So everything we offer, we do it out of um, love, and this is always about the person in front of you. It's not about you. It's not about how you feel or how I feel. It's about whoever we're speaking to, whether it's 
a group like this or whether it's an individual. Okay, um, next slide. Learning to hear God's voice. Now, this would be rock, um, this would be pretty simplistic. Most of us probably have a good handle on this, but I thought I'd just give a little bit of um, background to it. So, Joel 2, verse 17, you know this. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Um, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. So we know God will speak. Secondly, I brought it up earlier, John 10, my sheep listen to my voice, John 10, 27. Or 1 Corinthians 14, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Firstly, very simply, know that God is always speaking. There is never a time that he is not speaking. And if we can't hear his voice, it's probably an indicator that we need to sort something out internally. Um, there might be periods of time, we call them dark nights of the soul or journeying through a wall, where we might find it hard to hear his voice, but normally it's because there's something in the way. And there's an indicator that we probably need to do a little bit of, it could be something like forgiveness, or we need to work on an issue that is sort of in the way. Um, but God is always speaking. It doesn't mean we always hear, but he is always speaking. So we need to, that has to be our default, that God is always speaking. Um, secondly, very simply, make time to listen to him. If we don't make time just to stop and say, Father, what are you saying right now? Then we're not going to hear his voice. It's as simple as that. You know, when we talk to somebody, if we don't shut up, we're never going to hear them, are we? And we probably all know people who, at a meal situation, are kind of giving it all that. And, um, and it might be fascinating and really interesting people. But um, actually, you know, how much is somebody who's like that going to be good at listening? And if we're always talking, we're not going to be listening, are we? So we need to stop and make space to listen. I know it's simple, but so often we just don't do it. So it's that straightforward. Um, the third thing is um, realize and embrace the truth that you have the mind of Christ. You know, that's 1 Corinthians uh, 2. If you want the whole passage, it's verses 6 to 16. And it talks about how we have the mind of Christ. And that means that uh, we have kind of instant access to his will. Instant access to what he is saying. And, uh, you know, knowing the truth that we have the mind of Christ can really help us through a period if we're doubting, I'm not sure I'm going to hear God's voice right. No. What's the truth? I have the mind of Christ. That means he will speak. And if I, I just almost need to get my spirit into a place and my soul into a place where it's going, no, I'm not going to believe the lies of the enemy. I'm one of his sheep. I hear his voice. My sheep know my voice. I'm one of his sheep. I know his voice. I have the mind of Christ. He will speak. And as soon as you you know, get yourself into that place, it's so much easier to hear what he's saying. So that could be a, a helpful tip for some of us. Um, Recognising how God speaks, we'll come to that in a minute. And then uh, uh, anyone who's sort of starting out on their journey of listening to God, I always say this, trust the first thing that you hear. So if you ask God a question, let's say, um, uh, let's say the Lord wanted to release the word to Felicity through me. And I was just saying, Lord, what do you want to say to Felicity? It's a very simple question. I just asked that. Um, the first thing I hear should be what I release and say. Um, obviously, bearing in mind we're doing it from love, and this is for the strengthening, building up, and comfort of Felicity. Okay? So that's what we're, we're aiming for. And we might ask a question like that. The first thing I hear or see or however he speaks, if I don't do that and I go, oh, I'm not sure about that one and start thinking, I dilute the word of God and I start to change it. And then what I say just might not land, might not be from the Lord, 
It might just be my, my hopes um, for felicity or, you know, something that's coming from my soul rather than from heaven itself. Um, so often when I've done this with people and um, trying to help them learn to hear God's voice, and I said, what's the first thing you hear? And they say it. It's, so, it's accurate. So trust the first thing that you hear and stop when you hear it. And don't try and add to it. Oh, what does that mean? You don't need to know what it means unless it's for you. And then go back to the Lord with it. If, if, if release it to the person, and if they say, I haven't got a clue what that means, then, yeah, go back to the Lord, ask for more. But tell the person what you're doing. Does that make sense? Okay, that's how we um, can, um, some basics on hearing the voice of God. Right, how does he speak? So many ways. Um, there's, I think I've got 17 ways that God speaks. So uh, this, I couldn't fit it all onto a slide very easily, so it's all a bit jumbled there. But... Um, if you're taking notes, I've got scriptures for nearly all of these. Um, I didn't bother with the, one, the first one, because the first one is scripture. If you want a scripture, 2 Timothy 3.16 will probably sort you out. Um, if it doesn't align with the word of God, it's not him. Straight up. So if you're hearing something, you sense you hear something from the Lord, and it goes against what this says, you are wrong. <laughs> okay? You've not heard from the Lord. Uh, you've heard something else, okay? Um, and um, so uh, the first thing is, is it must align with Scripture and it must be in you know, tune with the, the heartbeat of Scripture, okay? So, um, and obviously another way God speaks through Scripture is very obvious. It's here, we read it, there it is. Or the Lord might just give you a specific verse for someone. Um, I remember uh, Patrick and Philly um, when I was years ago at HTB, I used to work there with Philly as well, and uh, they were going through a, a difficult time back then about something, and the Lord gave me, in the staff meeting, a prophetic word. I said, I, I didn't know what the word was. I said, I just sensed Isaiah 41 verse 10. At the time, I didn't know what it was. And they, it was like a bolt from heaven, because it says, for the Lord is with you, he will uphold you with his righteous right hand, He'll protect you, and, and I've forgotten the last bit. But they needed a word about the Lord being with them and protecting them in that time. He'll protect you and save you. He'll uphold you with his righteous right hand. And um, it was like a thunderbolt from heaven. I just heard the scripture, and I was really praying that when I gave it, that it would, um, it would be the right kind of thing and not say, um, I will condemn you or something like that. So yeah, be careful with those ones. But yeah, scripture. Visions. Um, so there's a number of places where we see visions. Um, you've got Isaiah 6, where Isaiah finds himself in the temple and he has a vision of the throne room. Absolutely extraordinary vision if you want to look it up. Um, uh, you've, uh, you've got um, two types of vision as well. Um, visions of the mind are things that you'd like, in a sense, a movie that you see in your mind's eye. You know when you remember a clip from a movie or a film or show or something or a memory that you have of something that happened in life and it's animated, it, it's not a still. So um, a, a vision of the mind is like that um, and you can receive it in any number of ways. The second type of vision is an open vision. That's where um, you see superseded over your own vision something in the spirit. And it might be that you're just seeing the spirit realm there in front of you, or it might be you're seeing what the Lord wants to do, or, or it could be a foretelling thing, or it could be a future thing, but your eyes are open, and it's an open vision, and it's an extraordinary, I've never had one, I've had close, but it's an extraordinary visual experience. I've had visions of, of sound, where I've heard things very clearly um, in the spirit, um, and my my physical ears could hear them, but nobody else could. Um, and so it can happen through sound as well as through vision. Um, and we may not call it a vision, but it's a similar thing. Um, so um, those are two, two ways. Uh, other examples, Acts 10, Peter has the vision. Uh, you know, the sheet comes down from heaven. It's filled with animals. 
uh, unclean animals, and it's about Jews and Gentiles. Um, so that was a vision that he had. Um, or you've got the whole book of Revelation, which is, you know, the revelation of Jesus Christ given to John, who, you know, who wrote uh, Revelation. Just an extraordinary revelation that he had and, and a vision. So those are visions. Dreams. Uh, different types of dreams. Um, what we might call, I don't know, a normal dream. Some people call it a virtual reality dream. Um, Nebuchadnezzar um, in Daniel chapter 2 starts to talk about the dreams he's having. And his own kind of magicians, whatever they are, prophets, those kind of people can't help. Because he says to them, if you remember, you tell me what my dream was and then interpret it. And none of them can. They say, tell us your dream and we'll interpret it. He's like, get out of my face. And Daniel says, I can do it. Because I have the Lord and the Lord will reveal your dream to me. And sure enough, Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar the dream and then he interprets it. So... um, Different types of dreams, there's that, um, or there are what we might call reality dreams. So Joseph has a reality dream where the angel appears to him and tells him very, very specifically, leave, take your family and go to Egypt, otherwise your son will be killed, basically, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said something like that. And um, that's what we might call a reality dream, Uh, you can read that in Matthew 2. And, of course, instantly Joseph gets the family and off they go. Um, It's the Lord speaking through an angel via a dream. So uh, those are the different uh, kind of dreams that we might have. Um, There's a lot more we can say about dreams. If you want to get into dream interpretation, understanding dreams, and God speaking to you through your dreams, I recommend a book by a guy called Doug Addison called Interpret Your Dreams Now. It's a really short book. You can read it very quickly, and it's packed full of practical ideas about how to grow in your ability to hear God through your dreams and how to interpret dreams. Um, And people that read the book, their dream life just goes to another level. So I think it's called Interpret Your Dreams Now. It's called something like that, and it's Doug Addison. Um, Okay. Um, Where have we got to your dreams? God's still small voice, you know that from Elijah, 1 Kings 19, he's in the cleft of the rock, God's not in the earthquake, he's not in the fire, he's in the still small voice. And so, don't need to say much more about that, but sometimes it's just a a very quiet knowing that um, he speaks through. Um, Angels touched on that already, um, but God obviously speaks through angels, we talked about Joseph. The angel uh, speaks to Philip in Acts chapter 8 and tells Philip to go somewhere. So often angels might bring a word like that. I don't know if you've ever heard heard an angel speak to you. Um, I haven't. I've been aware of angelic presence, but I've never had one actually speak to me. Some of you will have, I'm pretty sure. Um, But angels can speak on behalf of God because they are messengers. It's part of their role is to, to... bring messages. So, um, angels, um, you've got Acts 12 as well, which we've already mentioned. Trances, people don't like this one, but it's biblical. Acts 10.10. Peter, when he has his vision, it's Acts 12, isn't it? Did I say 10? I wrote it down just to make sure. Uh, Where is it? I've put Acts 10.10. I think it's Acts 12.10. Um, anyway, when Peter has his vision, actually he goes into a trance, first of all. Now, I've seen somebody in a trance once, and it's extraordinary. They are kind of unaware of the room that they're in. They're suddenly in this weird zone. It looks quite weird. Her eyes were fluttering like this, and she was speaking directly from heaven. It was extraordinary. She was just speaking stuff out that I knew in the moment, this is just, she's speaking what she's seeing in heaven, and is just pouring out this stuff, amazing things she was saying. Um, and for about, it was a long trance, this, it was about 40 to 45 minutes in a prayer meeting. And I, we didn't know what to do. We're like trying to have a prayer meeting, and suddenly she's in a trance, and she's speaking out over everyone. And, and it was God. There was no question. Um, but trance, we often think of transcendental meditation, or we think of the new age, but it's from heaven. 
This, this is a thing that God uses. And obviously, it can be used in other ways as well. But don't be scared of it because it's there. Peter went into a trance. And, um, a, and a trance-like state is when you're just not aware of your present surroundings. You're suddenly not quite unconscious. You're still... So this lady was sitting in her chair. She didn't lose the sense of being able to sit. She didn't fall asleep. But it was almost like she was unconscious to the environment she was in. And she, her consciousness was at, at the level of heaven. And she was speaking it to earth. It was pretty extraordinary. So um, that's a trance. It's another way that God speaks. Um, creation. I love this story. Numbers 22. You remember this? Um, Balaam and his donkey. And the angel keeps getting in the way. And the donkey's moving. And then Balaam's like kicking the donkey or hitting it. Like, stop moving. And then the donkey says, why do you keep hitting me? <laughs> it's like, What? Um, and the donkey says about three different things, doesn't he? Um, she, I can't remember if it's a male or female donkey. But, um, the, um, but yeah, God literally spoke through an animal. I don't know if any of you have had that experience. Um, I have not. Um, I, I've, heard, I've had the Lord speak through creation in all sorts of ways, but he's never directly spoken like a Narnia-type environment. Um, so has anyone had that? Has anyone had an animal speak to you? Like you could hear a voice? No, okay. I just thought I'd find out. One I haven't mentioned actually is not in my list, audible voice. Anyone heard an audible voice? I bet there are some who have, yeah, okay. One, some of you have. Um, I've heard God's audible voice on two occasions, but all he said was, James, <laughs> he was trying to get my attention. I wish he said a bit more, but... It did freak me out, even though he said my name. Um, uh, some more that you'll know about. Oh, you've also got the burning bush, of course, um, with Moses, uh, where, where God spoke through a burning bush, uh, and the gentle breeze, uh, which is the, the language used in, in 1 Kings 19 uh, with Elijah, the still small voice. Um, tongues, God speaks through tongues. We know that. 1 Corinthians 12 if God speaks in a tongue, don't leave it there. It needs to be interpreted. So you can use tongues just to worship the Lord and in your own prayer life with him, no problem. But if you're doing it in any way that's prophetic, if someone gives a tongue publicly, it must be interpreted. Otherwise, it's useless. Okay. So um, if you're in that environment, make sure someone gets an interpretation. But God speaks through tongues sometimes. Uh, Words of knowledge, again, you probably know about these. Uh, good example, uh, John 1, chapter 47. Jesus says about Nathaniel, who he's never met. Here is one in whom, uh, I forget the exact words, there is no what, deceit. Yeah, thank you. Uh, different translations have it in different ways. But the concept being that, you know, he is uh, one of truth and righteousness. And, and Jesus says it as he sees him approaching. It's a word of knowledge. Something that you couldn't know about someone other than by direct revelation of the Father. That's a word of knowledge. Uh, they operate in different ways, but it could be about something to do with somebody's past. It could be about something about their job. I've heard words of knowledge where literally someone's given out a phone number um, or a bank account number and said, does this mean anything to anyone? And someone goes, that's my bank account number. That's my phone number. Um, and then the person goes, oh, I must have a prophetic word for you, and then starts to release a prophetic word. So um, those are words of knowledge. You might get words of knowledge, I mentioned someone's past, or what are called body checks. So I might suddenly get a pain in my knee when I have no issues with my knee, and I'm like, why does my knee really hurt? And maybe someone in the room has got a problem with their knee, and God wants to heal it. That's a word of knowledge. Um, so uh, those are some of the ways words of knowledge work. Um, again, they're in 1 Corinthians 12, and I mentioned John 1, 47. Impressions, um, this is more about the discernment of the Spirit, but it's just how it happens. Sometimes you can be with someone, I've, a number of you would have had this, and you just get a really strong impression about either this individual or the atmosphere you're in. That's just an impression, it's, it's part of discernment of the Spirits, um, and it's a uh, yeah, 
God can speak through it. And I've sat next to somebody before and, and just had a really strong sense of depression. And I've just said to them, hey, are you okay? Somebody that I don't know, um, you know, in public. And they actually just opened up about their life. It's like this extraordinary story of, uh, you know, all I said is, hey, are you okay? Because I had this impression. And suddenly they're telling me their life story. They're just, it's extraordinary. And so sometimes God speaks to us because he just wants us to be a listening ear. Or he wants us to be the voice of hope for that person because no one else around them carries it. So if you get an impression like that, do act on it because you might be the one that releases the hope that they need. Um, Prophetic acts. Sorry, I know there's a lot of these, but we're getting there. Nearly done. Prophetic acts. So Acts 21 uh, verse 11, Agabus gets uh, Paul's belt and he wraps up his feet in his hands. And it's a slightly odd one, this, because it's about Paul's suffering. And, uh, you know, um, it's a sense where Agabus is saying, look, this is going to happen. And it's almost preparing Paul for the situation. Um, And it's a prophetic act because he he does a physical act to say that this is something that's going to happen in your life. Prophetic acts can be used in all sorts of ways, though, and that's, not, that's just one, um, one way. There's, there's quite a few different accounts in Scripture, but I'm just trying to think of some examples. Um, uh, I, don't, I used one this morning, but I don't want to use that one. Um, um, trying to think of a good example well I can give you like one one was a beautiful one which I witnessed I wasn't part of it but um, this young guy who was about 18 um, in this environment I was in uh, really felt to do this prophetic act for uh, this guy who was like a pastor figure in his life and he went up and this young guy had long hair and he went over to this guy and says I just want to honor you and he went down and he, he bowed down and he, he put his hair onto the pastor's feet in an act, you know, just like we see in scripture. And it was a prophetic act of declaring, you know, that uh, no, it's not, it wasn't an act of worship. It was just an act of honor. We worship Jesus, but we can honor his uh, saints, honor the people of God. And it was just him, his way of being humble and saying, listen, um, I've had this journey, and I want to show you that I honor you. That was a prophetic act. So there's all sorts of ways it can happen. Sometimes prophetic acts can be physical, like, um, you know, uh, stale water becoming clean uh, through prayer, and that being a prophetic act of what God is going to do in a nation or an environment. So there are things like that. Um, signs and wonders. Um, as a communication of God's love, that might be healing, miraculous powers, whatever. Uh, very often, signs and wonders are um, God's showing his children that he loves them. And so that's very often what they're often about. And God often speaks through them. So uh, mind reading, people don't like that I call it this. Um, but in Luke 11, verse 17, Jesus knew the Pharisees' thoughts. It's a form of mind reading. We may not call it that. It's a revelation from God. Of course it is. But that's what the world would call it. So knowing somebody's thoughts um, might be something that God speaks to us about. Again, we've got to be careful in what we do with that knowledge. But um, circumstances, God speaks through circumstances. Uh, I'm not going to say any more on that. There's plenty of scripture for it. Um, Dance. Again, you know, you might look at David dancing before the Lord. Uh, you might look at in Jeremiah 31 where Jeremiah prophesies about the women of Israel dancing uh, as an act of celebration uh, that was to come. Um, there are just, you know, or people um, who, who have a gift of dance, you know, releasing something prophetic through it. Uh, we've had that before. Um, Charlotte Barkley one time did a prophetic dance um, at one of our church weekends, and a lot of people were spoken to through the, the Lord spoke through her through that. Um, 
And those, so those are some of the ways God speaks. There's a lot of them. I'm sorry, that's rather long. Let's bring this to land now. Um, can we have the next one? Very quickly, I want to cover just four areas in discerning God's voice. In, so discerning God's voice, uh, 1 John 4 is pretty helpful. Um, uh, it says, um, every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. Um, when we're talking about the prophetic, I mean, that's more about um, certain, certain types of teaching and discerning of a teaching is um, uh, from God or not. But discerning of the spirits, again, it's the obvious stuff. Does it align with scripture and all of that? But if we're trying to work out, is this the Lord speaking? There are four areas where we might be hearing from. So as I said earlier, when you become a Christian, your spirit is woken up and you're alive. And your spirit can then start to tune into the spiritual realm. Okay? So you might be hearing something from the spirit realm um, or um, uh, something that can happen. And this is where we've got to be careful. When the prophetic gift operates out of you, you can be with somebody and have a prophetic word from them and you can pick up on their hope because you're discerning it prophetically and then you prophesy it. Very, very dangerous because you might start prophesying a husband or a wife. You might start prophesying a baby or something like that. We've got to be so careful with this stuff because sometimes you're just picking up something because you are prophetically open and you know, uh, and you can discern things. But if it's not the Holy Spirit releasing it to you, you might be picking up something from somewhere else. Okay, now it could. So that's our spirit just being aware of things that we can pick up. Um, obviously, the Holy Spirit is where we want to get it from. So um, that's what we want to go for. Evil spirits, I think it's unlikely that we'll prophesy something an evil spirit is saying, but it can happen. Because if you're in, not in the right place with the Lord, uh, for whatever reason, you might start uh, prophesying something that is a lie because you've partnered with a lie that's not truth, and you start releasing that into the environment you're going into. So again, careful with that. And of course, angels can sometimes speak. Um, so those are just the four things where we might be hearing the voice, a, not a voice, but having a sense within us of something that's happening. So we just need to check, is it the Holy Spirit? And so those tests, check it with scripture. Um, you know, if you're not sure, just hold on and see if the Lord brings it back a bit later um, because he could do that. Um, or if you're not sure still, Go to a friend, a brother or a sister in Christ and say, look, I'm sensing this for somebody, but I'm just not quite sure if it's him. Um, and ask them to pray with you and just work that out together, whether that's uh, the Lord or not. Oh, one thing I wanted to say on this is, if you get a prophetic sense, um, before you release it, make sure you know if it's just for you. I've heard people release prophetic words which are clearly for them and they didn't know and they released it to the whole church. And, I, and we do need to be careful that, Lord, is this something you want me to release for the environment I'm in or is it just for me? So make sure you, you've gone through that process before you're releasing it. Um, and then, of course, if you share those three things, strengthening, encouragement and comfort. Finally, and this is really quick, just to close with, just ways we can practice to grow in the prophetic ministry. So um, you could try, I've not really done this, but you could try um, prophesying your day um, and see how that goes. So at the beginning of the day, Lord, what are you going to do today? And just write it down. At the end of the day, go back to it and see what's happened. Uh, I know a few people who've done that, and if you're wanting to grow and strengthen your prophetic gift, it's a great way, a little exercise you can do. Um, team up with another person and prophesy over each other, or test out words of knowledge, that sort of thing. Um, prophesying as a group, oh no, uh, words of knowledge for healing, we've covered that already, uh, but practice it. So if there's the opportunity, then just release them. 
See what God does. Prophesying as a group, so KFCs, a lot of KFCs have done this, prophesying over each other. Um, it doesn't hugely matter if you get it wrong, so long as you're humble enough to recognize that that's likely to happen. So be willing to just allow someone to flush a prophetic word that you sense if it doesn't land for them. Let them flush it and don't worry about it. It's all part of growing. It's okay to be wrong. Um, and, um, and then prophetic intercession. I haven't really got time to get into that. Um, and we haven't really, because of COVID, got opportunities to really move into that at the moment. Uh, they will come. But uh, that's about um, interceding around, uh, sorry, about prophesying connected to interceding over certain events and things like that. That's basically all I wanted to share. I know there's a lot in there, um, a lot to think about. But really, the thing is, let's eagerly desire the gift of prophecy. And let's allow ourselves to grow in it. Not be scared of it. If you want to grow in it, you're going to make mistakes. Um, but just be aware of that. I've made a mistake. I'll, I'll tell you now, like last year, um, I, I tapped into some prophetic stuff that was coming out of America around the coronavirus, and some of you will remember this, around coronavirus and um, Pentecost. And, and I, it wasn't my prophetic word, it was somebody else's, but I did share it. Um, because I, I, it resonated with my spirit, but it was wrong, you know? And I, I said uh, over a prayer meeting, and I think I might put it in a, a little bit of a sermon from Acts, um, just sent something I sensed that the Lord was going to do, but it didn't happen, and it wasn't right. And we need to be big enough to go, actually, I got that wrong, and I got that wrong. And, um, you know, it's important that we're able to do that and say if we get it wrong. So um, doesn't, I don't want it to, the fear of failure to stop you going for it. It's okay. Let's, uh, let's end now. I'm going to hand back to Nick. Um, I took a bit longer than I meant, Nick. Sorry.